Welcome to Album Clash, the podcast in which we take two albums that share a connection and pit them against each other inside the ring of death. Two albums enter, only one may leave. Metaphorically. This is Album Clash. Hello, this is Album Clash. I am the voice inside your head and I control you. And I'm Kev. <laughs> still not playing. Yeah, so you're not bothering. You're still resolutely refusing to get involved in uh, the whimsy. Well, I think it's quite funny. No, it <laughs> my, yeah, my, my, my refusal to join in. So, yeah, I, I am not having it. So, yeah, welcome to Album Clash. This is, uh, well, we start a new clash today. Um, your choice, Kev. So just tell us what we're doing today and what connects the albums we're doing over the next two weeks. So our clash this week is between Janelle Monáe's Dirty Computer and Lizzo's Because I Love You. And the links between the two, there are quite a few. It's two black women. Obviously, they're fairly modern albums. They've got a positive modern agenda to their music. Both women, um, and I'm sure we're going to speak to this, have worked with Prince and definitely have been influenced by him. Oh, yeah. They've even um, performed together. Um, so uh, Coachella a few years ago, Lizzo had quite a disastrous set, um, invited Lizzo onto stage and she twerked away on stage during uh, Janelle Monáe's performance. And what you can say about both um, albums and both individuals, two sexually confident black women. Oh, yes. I'm excited to get into this one. Uh, so as we'd always do chronologically, this week we'll do Dirty Computer, which I'll take us through. Next week, Kevin will lead us through Because I Love You. But as ever, before we get into that, it is time for our regular feature, Can't Get You Out of My Head. So, Kevin, what shite have you had stuck in your head over the last few weeks? So, you know, within within your relationship with your with your wife, do you occasionally have like sort of little daft things that you do within your, like that make, make you laugh? Or some kind of idiosyncratic yes. thing? So, I don't know why. But whenever we're throwing something away, we have developed the <laughs> the tick of singing uh, the Spice Girls goodbye. Um, <laughs> I did not expect you to go there. <laughs> when when we're getting rid of stuff, and I and I can tell you the story of how this happened, and it's it's an interesting one anyway. So. <laughs> One day, I had a massive shite. <laughs> <laughs> so much so, it wouldn't go away that um, I accepted that it had now moved in. It was part of the family. I named it <laughs> I named it Lord Pooington. Where is this, where is this going? I'm sorry. How is this going to end up talking about the Good Spice Girls? <laughs> the water eventually s- softened it to an extent where, where it, could, it could be disposed of. And to say goodbye to it, I sang, goodbye, my friend. <laughs> and since then, whenever we're getting rid of stuff, we will sing the chorus from uh, Goodbye by the Spice Girls. So that's why it's in my head, because I th- <laughs> I recently threw something away. Follow that. <laughs> that's the end of this week's show. <laughs> I've got nothing after that. Sorry, I do have a question. So, 
that include like when you when you lob a crisp packet in the bin or something after you've eaten a no, packet? No, of no, no. So like the the reason I sang it recently is you know me uh, fist in the air in the land of hypocrisy t-shirt. Yes. It finally gave up the ghost. So I've had that a few years. So it is it is usually an item of clothing that we've had for quite a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Um I, I, <laughs> Oh magnificent Kevin. I'm sorry that is I've got half a mind to end this feature forever. He's never <laughs> topping yeah. that. I have topped top the feature with my shite story. <laughs> so you have shite in your head because you did a big shite. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. My mine by comparison is 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 extremely tame. I'm sorry. Um, as listeners will probably be aware by now, I well both of us were teenagers in the nineties. And particularly myself, I'm a big fan of music from that era. And so I listen a lot to Absolute Radio 90s. I would say that other 90s radio stations are available, but sadly they aren't. Gap in the market there. So anyway, the song that's been stuck in my head, and it's a simple story, it's just one that I, that's been played, well, it's regularly played on Absolute Radio 90s, and I fucking hate it. It's Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind from 1997. How does that go? Because I don't like it. So the song itself is just fucking relentlessly catchy, and it's it's basically from a well from countless bad nineties teen movies. That's not to say that teen movies by themselves are bad, but there was fucking shitloads of bad ones in the nineties. So I hate the song anyway for that catchy, poppy, throwaway shit. But the worst thing about it is how it's been completely misappropriated for that. It's a song about fucking meth addiction. <laughs> I mean, the rhythm of the song and its its general upbeat sound does not give you the um, the idea that it's about meth. Exactly. I'd also say that it is incredibly catchy, like a 90s case of gonorrhea in Magaluf. <laughs> After taking meth, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Hate it. Always have. Always will. There's no nothing as interesting as doing a big poo. Um, it's just... It, I, I, not only do I hate the song, but I just cannot understand why it is inextricably linked to, you know, feel-good, summery type music. It's about fucking drug addiction, for Christ's sake. It, it's the same vibe as people that go, oh, I love that level of song, What a Beautiful Day. What, about dying from a fucking smack addiction? <laughs> or fucking flag-shagging Americans saying they love Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. No, listen to the fucking lyrics. <laughs> Sorry, I've got angry now. After, after laughing my head off about you, I've now decided to get myself really angry about people not understanding the meaning of songs. Well, we may we may get into that when I talk about when I do my Twitter outro. <laughs> yeah. uh, spoiler alert. Uh, okay, <laughs> so that's the shite. What about what about good stuff? What do you want to give a shout to? Um, so sometimes adverts do help you to learn new bits of music or music that you've never you've never come across. If this is a slowed down version of a nineties dance track, Kev, then this show is <laughs> over forever. <laughs> Fucking John Lewis adverts have a lot to answer for. This is not that. So the song is The Four Horsemen by Aphrodite's Child, um, which is on the current Ford Cougar advert in the UK. 
Okay. And it's a lovely bit of early 70s psychedelia. It's really good. It's and it's got an epic guitar outro. I can only say really good things about it. And I will, I will be honest and say I'd never heard the song before until I heard it on the advert. The beauty of Shazam being able to tell you what a piece of musical because that that used to drive me mad before yeah. that was invented. That you'd hear a piece of musical that's really good, but I've no idea how to find out what it is. So yeah, that that's all it is. It, I have nothing more um, complicated to say than that. So I'm also going back to the seventies with mine. So I have been diving down a bit of a prog hole recently. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a euphemism for something. <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, Run right into the prog hole. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just been listening to a lot of prog. So I'm I'm going to give a shout out. Well, it's, it's a very well-known band and a pretty well-known album, actually. So I've been listening uh, to the album Bloody Tourists by 10CC. And now that is the album which has Dreadlock Holiday on it, which is a fucking great tune, which a lot of people, particularly fans of Sky Sports cricket coverage in the UK, will know. I don't like cricket. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. The song I want to give a shout to from that album is The Anonymous Alcoholic. So it starts, it's the last track on side one. It starts out as a really great piece of sleazy, honky-tonk blues music. And then in the middle, it just turns into this funky disco freak out for two or three minutes. It's fucking great. Honestly, it's brilliant. I've not heard it. And I am very intrigued by a 10cc uh, disco freak out. I mean, that Kev, you'll love it. Honestly, it's brilliant. It's really good. So the, the album itself is so musically diverse. So obviously, Dreadnought Holiday is, is, is a very reggae inspired track. Within the rest of the album, you've got obviously a lot of elements of prog. There's bits of Southern rock in there, bits of blues, funk and disco, as I said, honky tonk. It's a great album, but I say Anonymous Alcoholic, just for the way it starts. I mean, lyrics are really funny anyway, Um, but just for the way it breaks down in the middle and just turns into something completely different. Great tune. Love it. Okay, that's 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 a strong recommendation. I will have to check that out. So should we move on? I think we should. So I believe it is you to start uh, this this week's clash. Yes, it is. So I am going to be taking us through Janelle Monet's 2018 album, Dirty Computer. Just the uh, the background, as we usually do. It was released uh, in April 2018 on Atlantic Records and Bad Boy Records, the label owned by Sean Puffy Coombs, as well as Janelle Monet's own Wonderland label. It was recorded at the Wonderland Art Society in Atlanta, which is Janelle Monet's headquarters, you might say. It was her third album. Uh, so in 2010, she'd come out with Arc Android. And in 2013, she had the follow-up to that, The Electric Lady. Well, obviously, there's a five-year hiatus between um, Electric Lady and, and Dirty Computer. So one of the reasons for that is because in the intervening period, Janelle Monet had been focusing a lot on her acting career people might be very familiar with she she had prominent roles in moonlight which won best picture in 2017 2018 at the oscars roughly around then some year she also had a leading role uh in the 2016 picture hidden figures telling the story of the black female mathematicians and engineers who contributed significantly to the to the u.s space program in the in the 60s but another reason for the long delay between albums is Prince died in 2016. She had collaborated with Prince 
on the song Given What They Love from Electric Lady. And they had also been working together on what would eventually become Dirty Computer. They were very close. Prince was very much a mentor to Janelle Monet, and she admits herself how much his death affected her and that she needed to take the time to process that. In an interview with the New York Times in 2018, Janelle Monet actually said, this was the person that I would literally call and talk about sounds, or how should I say this? Is this saying too much? I just never could imagine a time where I couldn't pick up the phone or email him and he'd contact me straight back and we'd talk about these things I was unsure of. In an interview with Radio 1 in the same year, she said that Prince uh, had been working with her before he passed on to another frequency and he helped me come up with the sounds on this album. And I, I love the phrase, he passed on to another frequency. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful way of, de- of describing his passing. So Janelle Monet, she identifies as pansexual. Uh, the album is a- an evocation and a celebration of marginal communities in America. It is essentially autobiographical. So her earlier works told a sort of fictional story of a an android called Cindy Mayheather, but this one is very much Janelle Monet putting herself out there, telling her own story. Again, more quotes from that interview with the New York Times in 2018. She said, I knew I needed to make this album and I put it off and I put it off because the subject is Janelle Monet. I couldn't fake being vulnerable. In terms of how I'll be remembered, I have anxiety around that, like the whole concept about what I'll be remembered for. On a similar theme, talking about the themes that she explores in the album, she told CBS News in 2018, that when I take off my outfit, when I take off my makeup, I'm still Janelle Monet Robinson, who grew up in Kansas City to working class parents. So being a young, black, queer woman in America, at any moment, I could have my rights taken away from me. A theme which comes across very strongly throughout the album. I mean, also what, so we've talked about the influence of Prince. In terms of her, certainly her previous albums, you would definitely say there was a certainly an influence by uh, of George Clinton yes. uh, with that kind of Afro-futurist yes. sound and psyched, psychedelic soul and the utilisation of the Cindy Mayweather alter ego. You could see the, the Bowie influence as well, using a character in order to free her to develop her music and her sound before she felt confident enough to become, to throw, to throw that off, much like Bowie did. And when he threw off um, Ziggy and became himself. That's a brilliant comparison. And I hadn't made that link. You're absolutely spot on there. Yeah. So in terms of the title of the album, Dirty Computers is a term that Janelle Monet uses for people who don't effectively don't conform to societies or the norms of a conservative society, let's say. So again, she said, people say that these dirty computers, these humans, they have these bugs and these viruses, the things that make them unique are looked at as negatives. But dirty computers look at their bugs and viruses as attributes, as added value to this country. It's just saying that I'm a dirty computer, but I too am an American. Again, as we start going through the tracks, we'll see that coming across really powerfully. Um, The other thing I really wanted to point um, the listeners in the direction of is obviously it's talked about what the previous two albums had had been about, or certainly their sound and everything. This is definitely Janelle Monet embracing the funk. 
So Monet's uh, Wonderland Art Society, Art Society Collective asserts that. So on the website, it says, we believe there are only three types of music, good music, bad music, and funk. <laughs> she has also referred to herself as a functress. <laughs> a functress, I like that. And this album is has such a... I mean, you, you can tell the Prince influence because it has a funk orientation to it. It is funky. Not just Prince, as you said, George Clinton, as Stevie Wonder, as we'll, as we'll come on to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, functress. I love that. That's a great term. Yeah, I know. So to accompany the album, uh, Janelle Monet produced a 50-minute film, effectively, which she referred to as an emotion picture interweaved within which are music videos for several of the tracks on the album. Produced by Warner Brothers, uh, it depicts a dystopian future in which dirty computers, using the term that I, I referred to a minute ago, are arrested by an authoritarian government and sent, well, effectively to re-education centres where they are cleansed by having their memories wiped. In the film, which also stars Tessa Thompson, who's a longtime friend of Janelle Monet, through the course of the film, they are revealed to have been in, in a relationship. And as I say, the film tells us tells the story of how their relationship developed, but also how Janelle Monet gets her memories wiped for being a, a dirty computer. It's available on YouTube. I will tweet out the, the link to it. It's a really, really interesting piece of cinema. I would recommend people go and spend some time watching it because it gives much deeper context to this album and the themes that this album explores. Really, really good. I mean, I, have, I haven't seen it myself. I, I was I was aware of it. It just shows you the diversity and the breadth of her artistic vision that she made that to accompany the album. The, it, it, it wasn't just like a throwaway sort of promotional thing. It was it was designed to be yep. to be with the album, really. It's it's a companion piece. So, as we usually do, Kev, how did you discover Dirty Computer? I've I've really liked Janelle Monet's stuff from the start, really, from particularly when Tightrope came out and she had that kind of um I don't know, sort of James Brown style. Um, when she when she was performing, which anything that sort of evokes James Brown is always going to uh, get my attention and pull me in. So I've I've been interested in her stuff for a for a long time, and yeah. So when Dirty Computer came out, I I was sort of on it from from that point. So slightly later for me. So I first came across Janelle Monae when I heard uh, "Given What They Love." So it was it was the Prince connection. Off the back of that. I listened to Electric Lady, really liked it. Went back to Arc Android, really liked that. Uh, she did a set at Glastonbury in 2015, 2016, something like that, uh, which was really, really good. And, you know, when it came around to Dirty Computer coming out, I, it's something I looked for, something I looked forward to. And then I heard Make Me Feel, and a slight spoiler for what's going to come, blew me away yeah so i was sold from that point on it's worth saying before we go into the album so that the sound and you you talked about the george clinton and the funk influence on the first two albums this is a much more i'm going to say poppy and i don't mean that in a pejorative way it is a much more musically accessible album to people who 
I'm going to say, listen to commercial radio, for mm-hmm. example. Now, I think that was a deliberate choice, and we'll come on to talk about that later. I think it is of great credit to her that she that she did that, that she, again, making the jump from telling these sort of semi-fictional stories uh, from Cindy Mayweather's perspective into a more personal story, making the change in her sound at the same time. If you go back and listen to Arc Android and, and Electric Lady in particular, they're both great albums, but they sound very different to this one. Yeah, the... These are much hookier, as you say, much more accessible. The and as you as you rightly said, it's a radio friendly sound. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. Sorry. So you, you know, like it's interesting that she gave up the Cindy Mayweather character um, to do this. And again, to use a Bowie comparison, I, I suppose you could say it's a bit like Let's Dance. With and I know you have particular issues with Let's Dance, but moving from a a more artistic style album to something that is far more accessible to a mainstream market uh, you're right I, I i i know the point you're making you just hate let's dance we've already established no, this that's not yeah i do yeah i do uh that's not the point i was going to make i think there's a very deliberate choice behind that when you listen to the message that a lot of the songs have to convey mm-hmm. all right so shall i go on to talk about artwork yes i think you should Okay, so just a couple of facts about it. The photograph on the cover was designed by Joe Perez Studios. It was was taken by Julia Galdo and Cody Cloud. It's a very bold, very eye-catching photo. It's Janelle Monet with a jeweled a jeweled headdress on, a headdress which she also wears in the video to make me feel. And behind her is what looks like a halo. And certainly if you watch the Dirty Computer emotion picture, religious iconography certainly plays a fairly significant part in that. So I'm going to suggest that was a deliberate choice. In the top left corner of the album cover uh, is written Jane57821. That is the name of her character in the film accompanying the album. It's really good. I think I think the colours are stark. It's it's great. I like it a lot. It's a very visually striking image. It's really simple because I, I, I can remember the first time I saw it on a shelf and the colours aren't massively bold or anything like that. The 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 blue backdrop is is quite it's quite a subtle colour, but the imagery and the iconography of it and it it just works really well. So it creates this really striking image that pulls you in very quickly without needing any sort of, for want of a better phrase, visual gymnastics. I like that phrase. Yeah, agreed. Okay, should we get should we get to it then? Let's do so. Right again, just very quickly before I start going through the tracks, the album is essentially three acts. Tracks one to four, what she calls the reckoning. That's Janelle Monet dealing with how she is viewed by society. She again says, this is how I'm viewed. I'm a dirty computer. It's clear I'm going to be pushed to the margins, outside margins of the world. Tracks five to 10 are the celebration. So it's her accepting what she is. It's like, okay, these are the cards I've been dealt. And then the final four tracks, 11 to 14, they are the reclamation. It's her reclaiming her Americanism along with celebrating and owning everything else that she is. So coming back to what she calls the reckoning in an interview with hot 97 radio. What she says is that is you feeling the sting of being called 
N-word for the first time by a white person, being called B-word by a man for the first time, being called queer or F-word by a homophobic person for the first time. It's reckoning and dealing with what it means to be called a dirty computer. And as we're going to go into, those are themes that come across really strongly. Yeah, throughout throughout the album, it that they are incredibly strong themes that that emerge. And th- this album is an evocation of who she who she was, who she is, and who she will be. Really good way of putting it. All right, I've been rattling on for ages now. Let's start going through the tracks, shall we? Okay. So let's let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right. We start with the title track, Dirty Computer, featuring vocal harmonies by, and it's not someone you would expect to be collaborating with, you know, Monet, the Beach Boys' Brian Wilson. Yeah, and it absolutely elevates it right from the from the from the opening gates, really. The you've got Brian Wilson. Brian fucking Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Brian fucking Wilson. So uh, I'm going to read loads of quotes. I always do. Sorry. So the same interview I just referenced with Hot 97, she also said that uh, about the term dirty computer, we are CPUs. Our brains are uploading, downloading, transmitting back and forth information. And with all the computers, you get your bugs, you get your viruses. But are these negatives, positives, features or not? I think it's a conversation I want to have uh, with us as a society, as human beings, about what it means to tell somebody that their existence, either they're queer, minorities, women, poor, makes you have these bugs and viruses. It's about embracing those things, even if it makes others uncomfortable. And that message, that theme is writ large in the lyrics. So I'm just going to read, dirty computer, walk in line. If you look closer, you'll recognize I'm not that special. I'm broken side, crashing slowly. The bugs are in me. There's a there's a link actually within that imagery of us being androids, of us being in some way computerized. There's clearly a link back to her earlier albums, as we've already yeah. talked about, the Cindy Mayweather character. Yeah, Brian fucking Wilson, the dreamy harmonies. They just, they are the perfect counterpoint to the lyrics in the song. I, I love this. So in an interview with the Rolling Stone, she said the reason that she she kind of picked him to come on the album or certainly wanted to, to bring him on board was that she was influenced by the story of how the Beach Boys developed their harmonies when when they were living with their with their mum and dad and like they'd practice their harmonies in in like their bedroom. And on on the basis of that, she knew she wanted that that kind of sound on the album. That's just boss. It is. It's it's great. I Beach Boys fan here. We're gonna do pet sounds. In fact, I've not only we're gonna do pet sounds. I know what we're gonna do pet sounds against. No spoilers. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. We're gonna do. I I love the Beach Boys. Great first gig I ever went to. Well, and also like it's not the first time on on a clash that we've had someone extolling the virtues of Brian Wilson because obviously um, on Daft Punk. Yep. Um, we we had we had that previously. We did indeed. Good callback. Yeah, it's a lovely start. And everything is set off by the guitar part, which is just gently in the background with that phase coming in, coming out, the flange effect. It's um, lovely. A, a, a short track, but a great start. I, I described it. So in my notes, I've got it as a really nice, gentle soul intro. Um, yeah. And I, I really like it for that. Agreed. Really good. All right. Okay. 
onto Crazy Classic Life. This is a song about wanting to be accepted for whoever and whatever she is in a world that is free of judgment. There's a spoken word intro. The words themselves are an extract from the Declaration of Independence. They are spoken by preacher Dr. Sean McMillan. And given what you'll hear in terms of the lyrics of the song and the subject of it, it is very clearly a, a reflection of those are the words in the Declaration of Independence. The irony of the way Americans laud that as their emancipation, uh, whilst in fact perhaps not holding true to all of those values. Um, so yeah, it's a it's essentially he's quoting Martin Luther King, who did the same, who did the same thing. Yeah, and I I love the I love the line in this song. I'm not America's nightmare. I'm the American dream. That's a fucking great line. I've got that written as well. well it's 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 a that's a reference to Malcolm X's American Nightmare speech. I'm sure you were well aware of that. Yes. Yeah, it's a great lyric. Uh, w- we will come back to Sean McMillan later on the album. In- indeed, we shall. So, second song in. You can hear, you can see the Prince influence. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it's such a eighties, m- mid eighties, Prince's imperious period. It's sound. great. It's it's phenomenal and so this isn't this this isn't even the most prince sounding track on the album but it really isn't i and i, I don't want to give the impression that i only like this album because it sounds like prince it's, there's so much more that i like about it than this but as i said a few minutes ago prince is what got me into Janelle monet and yeah hearing her carrying on the mantle that's how i'm going to explain it carrying on the mantle of prince what a great tune it is. It it's it's a it's a fantastic second song in that it's just so funky. It's it's got that Prince sound to it. Like unfortunately, like we do apologize to the listeners because we are going to talk about Prince loads. We are indeed going to talk about Prince loads because he was great. I'm not going to apologize actually. No, sorry, Prince. Yeah, he was Prince fucking was boss. If you don't like Prince, then you are dead, <laughs> dead in your soul. <laughs> I think you should have left it a dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's a the song ends with a rap. So in a complete contrast to the poppy 80s style upbeat tune you've heard, there's a rap at the end. It calls right back to the to the spoken word intro. It's it's railing against the treatment yeah. of people of black people as as different, railing against the concept of white privilege. So lyrics like, no matter where I was, and all I always stood out. Black Waldo dancing with the thick brow. So that's a reference to so. Where's Waldo is the American version of Where's Wally. Most of our listeners are American. They already know that. We are surprisingly popular in the States. Why? What is wrong with you, Americans? Why do you want to listen to us? I mean, most of our references are niche things from 80s <laughs> British culture. <laughs> but fair enough, if you if you want to know about trio bars and um and Vicarons, Vo- then Voxel adverts. <laughs> yeah, then sounds crack on. Oh dear. Anyway. It's a great tune. Love it. Yeah, it's really good. So, so I'm going to say it now. I, I, I think the accessible, radio-friendly, musical style of the album is a very deliberate choice. So the tracks would get airplay, and the messages that she wants to put out there about who she is, about what American society is, would be heard by the general populace. And I think that is that speaks to such intelligence. It's brilliant. Well, it, it's a it's a lesson that you can take from James Brown because "I'm Black and I'm Proud" is a funky song and it is it is something that could be played on radio quite easily. All right. Oh, sorry. The only thing I'm going to say as I've talked about the rap, 
Christ alive, she's a great MC. Fuck yeah. Like, she's really good. She can, she can sing, she can write, she can play, and fucking hell can she rap. Something that um, I think we'll probably speak about next week as well. I believe we will. All right, take a bite. So, yeah, um, a, a really, again, funky, sexy, brilliant bass line. As um, previous listeners to our, to our clashes will definitely... And be able to attest to, I love a good bass line, and this has a great one. And this song, this sound develops throughout the song. It's three, so three songs in, having a fucking great time. It's really good so far. Agreed. So I've written here, it's another uplifting, really poppy sounding tune. It's a definite toe tapper. The bass line, just, it's phenomenal, the bass line in this. The guitar parts that are really understated throughout the chord structure that takes it from the bridge into the chorus. Very, very Stevie Wonder. Really, really good tune. The lyrics continue to play on that theme of people as computers, as processors. The song title itself is a play on words. Take a bite is spelt B-Y-T-E, but obviously refers to Eve in the Garden of Eden and the Forbidden Fruit. Great tune. Really like it. Perhaps not as good as... Crazy classic life for me, but yeah, you know, it's, that, I'm, I'm splitting hairs. I really like it. It's a great opening salvo. Yeah, a really good way of putting it. So this is something I would say about many tracks in this album. So again, I'll say it now. There's a lot to unpack musically uh, in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, musically dense is what I've written. The, the vocals themselves, the harmonies, the synth parts, the guitar parts, the bass line we spoke about, the beat that drives it forward. There's a lot that's put into the production of this track and these tracks, but it never clashes. It always comes together in a, a soundscape is the only word I can I can use to describe it. It it works so well, the sound. Well, and also given the some of the themes that have been covered thus far, and they are they are heavy old themes, but they are they are covered with a musical lightness that even though the songs are you know as you say they are sonically dense the like and as as we've talked about the album is incredibly accessible yeah and the songs are accessible so it's a lovely sort of juxtaposition between sort of important subject matter and hooky really good pop songs agreed i can't say anything else than that i think it's you've summed it up brilliantly okay so so we'll move on so we go to Jane's Dream. Uh, not much to say about this. It's a short instrumental track from John Bryan. So the chord progression is the same as it was in Take a Bite. The track itself is part of the soundtrack of the emotion picture. So Jane of the song title is a reference to Jane 57821. As I mentioned, her character in that, in that film. Janelle Monet says this was apparently inspired by her terrifying nightmares about a near-future America full of abductions and secret detention centres, oddly like our own, referring to migrant camps, etc. What I would say, musically, not much to it, but after the last two really up-tempo, poppy, accessible, toe-tapping tracks, this brings you down, it changes pace, it just allows you to take a bit of a breath before what's to come. Yeah, I mean, I've not really got a great deal more to add to that. The, it's a it's a short sort of instrumental interlude. It's it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I've got nothing more to add. All right, screwed, featuring Zoe Kravitz. 
But Janelle Monet said that this was inspired by the dismal morning of November the 9th, 2016. Anyone with uh, a memory may recall that that was the uh, day the 45th president of the United States became president-elect. So the word screwed is clearly a double entendre in terms of uh, obviously sexual references, but also about the patriarchy and the negative effect it's had on everything in the world. The lyric, you fucked the world up now and we'll fuck it all back down. It's a fucking great lyric, that. It's so playful. It's so cutting. It's brilliant. It's it's just a really fun and cutting exploration of sex and power politics. It's it's really well done. Again, unfortunately, I am going to have to reference the purple one because his well, the Joker. Influence... <laughs> no wacky. <laughs> I'm going to let you explain to our American listeners who purple wacky is. <laughs> Google. Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google it. Fine. Move on. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a really 80s uh, style sound. It's a really good pop uh, style song, and it just works. It works really well. It's I, I really like this. Yeah, it's great. It, it's brilliant. Again, you can hear Prince in the synth parts. You can hear Nile Rodgers in the guitar. Yeah. So you you refer to Let's Dance earlier. I mean, it's it's a it's a fuck you to anyone that's in her way. This, yeah, you you ain't fucking messing with Janelle. Yeah, absolutely. The only other thing I want to say, so there's the lyrics within the song: "Want to get screwed on a holiday? Want to get screwed in a matinee? Want to get screwed at a festival? Want to get screwed like an animal?" So there's there's a lot of suggestion that 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 is those lyrics are basically a reference to gun violence mass shootings and and trophy hunting so both zoe kravitz and janelle monet have publicly spoken out in, in favor of gun control so it's entirely plausible that, that that is the case and again i think it just speaks to the the intelligence behind the album that something so on the surface so throwaway and poppy actually has a much deeper meaning if you if you if you want to access that and um yeah it's great it's a great piece of work Sorry, I, I can't. I can't say anything else. No, I, th- I think we've we've fairly um, expressed our enjoyment of this one. Okay, Django Jane. So this was uh, released as a single on February the twenty second of two thousand eighteen. It was released on the same day as "Make Me Feel" was released as a single. Uh, it reached number twenty two on the US Rap Digital Songs chart. In an interview with The Guardian in 2018, Jill Monet said that the song is a response to me feeling the sting of the threats being made to my rights as a woman, as a black woman, as a sexually liberated woman, even just as a daughter with parents who have been oppressed for many decades. And again, lyrically, you can just, you can hear that, that railing against the patriarchy and call out to sort of notable feminist activists, you know, we're going to start a motherfucking pussy riot or we're going to have to put them on a pussy diet. Let the vagina have a monologue, a reference to the, the events that play the vagina monologues. So if you if you just take those three lines, you are referencing, obviously, pussy riot. Yep. I don't think I really need to explain um, for listeners who they are. Pussy diet, there was a, so there was a sex strike in Belgium until the government was formed. And then, uh, sorry, the the last one was... Um, the vagina monologues, Eve Ensler. Exactly. So 
I mean, how clever is it? How clever it's is that? Genius. It's just you you make three really clever references to to shit that's going on or have yeah. or important like in three lines, which you know other songwriters can struggle to convey a message in one whole eight minute song. Yep, exactly. No. <laughs> so we said uh, last week when we were going through straight out of Compton that that song was a manifesto. This is exactly the same. This is a manifesto. This is my worldview. And fuck you if you can't handle it. As a follow-up to Screwed, it's fucking brilliant for starters. They've got you up dancing. And now I've got you. I've captured you. This is the message I want to tell you. And you're going to fucking listen to me. I love this. It's brilliant. It's it's incredibly auto, autobiographical. And... The the rapping in it is is really good, and we've talked about her her MC skills earlier. And it's there's like a really good. Uh, I always struggle how to say this word, so um, apologies if I do get it wrong. Brag bracket braggadocio. Is it braggadocio? You, do you know what I mean? You know the words anyway. I do. Yeah. Um. So I probably said it all wrong. Yeah. Good big good bit of boasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Bravado. All that bravado, it's, yeah. yeah. It's it's really like yeah, it's just so so well done. Um yeah, yeah. love lovely stuff. It's great. Should we move on to Pink? I think we should. All right, Pink featuring Grimes, who I would certainly hope in her household is referred to as the talented one. <laughs> it's the funny one anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely that. <laughs> Fucking Wario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's an up-to-date reference. Who's worse, Elon Musk or Chris Martin? Oh, Elon Musk because he um, obtained his wealth from um, his parents' diamond mine and then claims that he's a self-made billionaire. Yeah, okay, fair play. I like... <laughs> I mean, I know I know. Chris Martin made reference to that he, he learns during the pandemic that oh, he learned to be humble. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Whilst it, their their latest song was played on the international space station, <laughs> I mean, like fucking <sighs> self awareness. Exactly. So you've got Chris Martin talking about learning about himself during a fucking pandemic, and his ex misses selling fucking minge candles that explode, <laughs> and also saying, "Yeah, I lost control during during the pandemic." Oh, she ate some bread. bread. Fucking hell, how did you cope, Gwyneth Paltrow? Fucking hell, I had to chip bomb and lost my mind. <laughs> yeah, but the, the chips were cooked in uh, ethically sourced vegetable oil. So, you know, it's, it's... <laughs> I have no issue with people choosing ethically sourced food. I have an issue with Gwyneth Paltrow and... Her fanny candles. <laughs> Exploding fanny candles. Fanny Roman candles? Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, your your editing's going to be have to be great for this one. I'm sorry, Dom. Yeah, okay. So perhaps some of our language to describe the female anatomy isn't the best, particularly as we're going through this song. Actually, well, well, I'm about to say, I was about to say, like, so should we um, smoothly um, segue from Fanny Candles to Fanny Pants? What a video! <laughs> what? So the video is in is in the film. What a video! Yeah, vagina trousers. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Our apologies, listeners. Um, yeah, this song is a celebration of the female anatomy. Uh, as I always do, 
I've got to go to my whosampled.com. This song interpolates samples from the Aerosmith song Pink. And in fact, the band are given co-writer credits on the song. So I know that um, Janelle Monet, um, when speaking about this song, said uh, the reason that she she called it pink is that the colour pink unites all humanity because it's the colour found in the deepest and darkest nooks and crannies of the human of humans every uh where <laughs> that's what my note says so everywhere. everywhere brilliant i hope that's right <laughs> oh brilliant and, and also use of nook and cranny that's great nook and cranny yeah is she a pensioner from yorkshire <laughs> she's not been found in a bathtub going down a hill <laughs> Not explaining that. If you don't know, then tough shit. <laughs> um, apparently, according again to the album notes for this song, Janelle Monet says it was inspired by Prince's mischievous smile. It's great. I love everything about this song. It's triumphant. It's powerful. It's playful. It's a. It's so empowering. It, so I'm going to talk about the music. Aside from the lyrics, the message. So. The, the bass line at the start, the vocals coming in. Then in the second verse, the guitar comes in and then it, it just builds on it. Then it bursts into the chorus. It's brilliant. I Again, it's hooky, it's poppy, it's accessible. But when you get drawn into it, you hear the message the song has to tell you. It's it's phenomenal piece of work. Brilliant music. And the, the the way it sort of balances the really delicate verse with the um, sonically dense uh, chorus, like Monet's voice versus Grimes' voice, it, it just the balance of it just works so well. Yeah. So that's a really good point, actually, because it, it on a first listen, you can't really tell that where Grimes comes in, but it's. It's within the vocals, the harmonies, the backing vocals, and the chorus. It's, yeah, it, they work so well. It's great. It's great. Love it. The video, as I mentioned, the video is in the is in the, the, the film to accompany the, the album. Directed by Dutch filmmaker Emma Westenberg. So it features Janelle Monet and Tessa Thompson and their, and their backing dancers. And yeah, vagina pants, pink jumpsuits with trousers that are very clearly made to look like a vulva, and it's great. Yeah. I mean, as a expression of female empowerment, it's up where with that Japanese uh, woman who made a canoe out of her vagina. Uh, you're going to have to fill me in there, mate. Sorry, I've got no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. So the, there was a Japanese artist, I think it was last year, who got done by the Japanese authorities for obscenity because she made a canoe that was designed to to look like a vagina. Well, you just said she made it out of her vagina. Well, yeah, it was designed to look like it. No, no, that's different. I, <laughs> uh, I, no, she made she made it in the mold of her vagina. It's like like you. I I was literally. <laughs> was she giving birth to a canoe? No, no, I was. I was... <laughs> Some sort of cocoon, I don't know. Funny canoe. 
<laughs> I mean, I apologise, listeners, that I started this with a gi- with giant shy chat, and it's to say it's to send it this episode into into funny canoe. <laughs> Wasn't she a TV cook? I was, oh, damn it. I, was, I was about to say was um, was very popular on Scottish TV in the seventies. <laughs> Levity is good. <laughs> uh, uh, should we move we on? Slightly, I think we slightly undercut um, uh, Miss Monet's point, and we're really sorry about that. Uh, yeah, Pink's a fucking great song. I love it. Yeah, it is. It is really good. As is. The next one. Well, so I've got this on vinyl and Pink closes disc one. And then we start disc two with Make Me Feel. So Make Me Feel was the lead single from the album. It was released at the same time as Django Jane on the 22nd of February 2018. It reached number 99 on the US Billboard Hot 100 chart, number 30 on the the US R&B chart. And it was certified gold in the US, having sold over half a million copies. As I said, when I heard it the first time, it blew me away. And we we do know, it, it is confirmed that Prince worked on this song. Yes. And the keyboard part, especially, um, has been attributed to him. And my God, you can tell. It's so funky. Like, and that, that guitar work as well, it's... Oh, dreamy! It's fucking great. This is like there's. I, I don't really need to say a huge amount more about this song because it's just fucking great. Yeah, it is great. As you said, it's been confirmed. So Prince's former DJ, uh, in, in actually in a, in a since deleted Facebook post, stated that he wrote the main synth part for the song. The video directed by Alan Ferguson. If you are a fan of Black Mirror, and you see the video to this song. Uh, there are definite San Junipero vibes coming across in this video. I've not seen the um, the video for this, so I mean, I do I, I do really like the San Junipero uh, Black Mirror episodes. But so if anyone ha- if anyone hasn't it hasn't seen the Black Mirror episode of San Junipero, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. It's about a lesbian couple, basically, and the video to this song is very much about Gina Monet and, and Tessa Thompson celebrating within the film, their relationship, the aesthetic within the video. It, there's a clear nod to San Junipero. It's great. So, uh, and that message in the video comes across lyrically as well, you know, right at the start. Don't make me spell it out for you. You keep on asking me the same questions and second guessing all my intentions. She's clearly been sick and tired of being asked questions about her sexuality and has put that message in a song. It's like, well, if it's not obvious to you by now, then I can't fucking help you, can I? This is a banger with a capital bang. I fucking love this tune. Yeah, this is just fucking great. Just all the elements. Yeah, all the elements. All right, shall we go on to I Got The Juice? Yeah, let's go. So I Got The Juice featuring Pharrell Williams. Uh, again, I'm going to go on whosampled.com. This features a sample of Nasty Girl by Variety 6, which you may think, what the hell's that? Have you ever seen the film Beverly Hills Cop? I have indeed. Are you familiar with the scene in Beverly Hills Cop where they go to a strip club and they foil an armed robbery? I do. I am aware of it. The song playing during that scene <laughs> is 
Nasty Girl by Variety 6. <laughs> niche. Very niche. Very niche. Okay, so regarding uh, collaborating with Pharrell, Janelle Monet, she said, I felt he was a great ally for women and black women in particular. I called him for I Got the Juice so he could show his presence as an ally to women. It's clearly, the song is about sexual liberation. And within the lyrics, there is a very clear reference to the 45th president of the United States. Oh, yeah. With the lyric, if you try to grab my pussycat, this pussy grabs you back. What a lyric. Brilliant. I mean, I'm going to have to say that, so I can't lie that the rhythm of it and listening to it again recently, it did remind me of Hollaback Girl. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Like, whilst I I love that sort of, that line and that reference to Trump, I wasn't particularly... I wasn't particularly keen on this, I have to say. So I've said it's a bit of a come down. It's a bit too generic. I really like Janelle Monáe's rapping. I really like Pharrell's verse. The production leaves me wanting on this, to be honest with you. There's things to like, but after Pink and then Make Me Feel, it is a come down. What I'll say is it ends a lot more strongly than it starts. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a fair point to make. All right, shall we move on? Yeah. I like that. So... Uh, also releases a single in August of 2018, reached number one on the US adult R&B chart and number 19 on the overall R&B chart. Again, it's been certified gold within the States. Uh, Janelle Monet claimed that this was inspired by whack-ass fuckboys everywhere, from the trap house to the White House, who make the lives of little brown girls so damn hard. So there's a reference within the lyrics to Crazy Sexy Cool, the album by TLC. Clearly another song about individuality and sexual freedom. In terms of my opinions on it, I think it's a bit of a misstep. I'm not too keen on this, I've got to say. I didn't dislike this. I thought, again, it's it's really autobiographical. Um, to, not, to not make a shit pun, but I'd, I quite liked it. I like that. Yeah, like I, I understand I understand the point that you're making. It's the last two songs, so this one and the previous one, have been the weakest section thus far in the album. And I don't think that's um that's harsh to say. But I think I, I personally prefer this to the previous one. Okay. So I don't. I, I agree that th- these are the two weakest tracks so far. I understand the need for a change of pace. We've we talk about this regularly on this show. Compared to what we've heard so far, it just lacks a lot for me. There's one thing I want to say, and it's been present within a few tracks, that there is the use of the auto-tune on the vocals throughout this album. And I get that's a production choice, and I get that is something which is quite prevalent within a lot of, of modern pop. Cher's got a lot to answer for. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and Posh Spice, you know, this tune is going to punish you. <laughs> <laughs> who'd, who'd have thunk when talking about this album we would have referenced uh, Dane Bowers <laughs> oh true steppers you're out of your mind <laughs> again google it I ain't going to explain it I've never liked uh, overuse of autotune and it irritates me on this track it's a disappointment to me this okay okay so let's go on to don't judge me so, I'm going to start this with the uh, We Sample stuff. Right at the start of this, there's a sort of jangling sound that sounds like the jangling of, of chains. Do you know where that's from? 
Is it from um, the musical version of Oliver? No, it is not. More bizarrely than that, it is a sample from Climbing Up the Walls from OK Computer by Radiohead. Okay. Uh, honest, and I know you listen, you listen to right at the start of Climbing Up the Walls and right at the start, don't judge me, it is the same, it is definitely that sample. I mean, I wasn't in the same ballpark, though, was I? You were nowhere fucking <laughs> near, mate. Nowhere near at all. I, 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 do you know what? I, I, I could see you going down a Dickensian route, but I thought it was going to be something to do with with Jacob Marley and Christmas Carol, at least. Do you know what? I, th- I think that's I think that's where I actually was going, but then, like, in the last second, my brain went, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, Radiohead. And actually, Dirty Computer, OK Computer... There are some similar themes within the two yeah. albums. So anyway, again, I'm going to read. I, do you know what? I love this. We need to do more albums in the 21st century because now everyone does album launches with some streaming platform. So all the launch notes describe what all the songs are about. This is fucking great. <laughs> Both these albums, it's brilliant. <laughs> so Janelle Monet said, this song is about those vulnerable moments of in-between. In-between the moment you text something naughty and forbidden to them and the three replying dots appear to linger forever while you wait for their answer and your stomach curls into a ball. In between what America says about freedom, but then actively does to me and my brothers and sisters. Again, lyrically, this appears to be very autobiographical. A song directly about her coming out and her feeling vulnerable about that as a result. It's a plea to the media. It's a plea to her fans, first and foremost, not to treat her differently, to accept her for who she is. Just one lyric I'll quote. Even though you tell me you love me, I'm afraid that you just love my disguise. That is such a poignant lyric. So I made a note that, you know, it speaks to her fears about giving up the Cindy Mayweather character and becoming herself. You know, it's it's really different to what's gone before. It's really soothing and it's beautiful and it has lush orchestration. It's it's a complete step change from, from what we've had in the album. I... It's really good. It's really good. This it is. Uh, you've sorry, listeners. I'm going to do same as we always do. We've never compared notes. It sounds very different to the rest of the album. The strings sound really nice. Give it a nice orchestral, wistful uh, quality to it. It's a very sultry song in terms of the way mm-hmm. it's performed. Bit sexy. It is sexy, but the message again is really powerful. What I'll say. And this does lead into the next trap, the guitar part, the bass part. I'm getting some distinct Stevie Wonder vibes here. Yeah, the the kind of orchestration as well sort of works with that sort of Stevie vibe, which <laughs> funnily enough bring leads us beautifully. So let's segue into Stevie's Dream. This is a spoken word track by Stevie Wonder. It's the companion to Jane's dream from earlier in the album. So in an interview with Billboard.com, Janelle Monet said that Stevie Wonder has inspired me my entire life ever since I was a little baby. It's an honor and a pleasure to be able to have him as a mentor. He actually asked me to record a conversation where he was giving some advice on how to deal with your oppressor. And it's, it's beautiful. It's great. It's so Stevie. But that the final line... Even when you're upset, use words of love. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's pure Stevie. It is. It's yeah. Great. 
lovely stuff. It's a lovely, it's a lovely little interlude. Has a Stevie style sound, and then has him speak. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm banging. Like for a for a little palate cleanser on an album, I'm banging to it. Yep. Okay, so then we are on like a shot. So afraid, the penultimate track on the album. Uh, again, referring to the theme of what a dirty computer is in Janelle Monet's mind. She says, I just wanted to talk about my own bugs and viruses and how I'm choosing to deal with it. It sounds vulnerable. The whole tone of it, lyrically, I'm fine in my shell. I'm afraid of it all, afraid of loving you. It's great. It sounds, again, completely different. The guitar part to start, it's so in utero. It's so grunge. I mean, it's it's absolutely huge after what's come on the last two songs, but it's beautiful and so well put together. So again, I apologize to the listeners. So you said in utero. Again, I'm thinking Prince, but like Prince, Prince when he's really shredding it um for that for that opening. The reason I said in utero is I again, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but in utero is a very personal, very vulnerable album. Kurt Cobain is bearing his soul on that album. And I, to me, this was a call to that in terms of that, that guitar part. I might be reading all sorts of bollocks into it that isn't there, but that's the sound I heard. When I, when I hear those three chords that start this song off, I could be listening to Rape Me. I could be listening to Heart Shaped Box. No, I, I, see, I see where you're coming from with it. It's, it's just really well done. This this is a this is a really good, really well done song. It is a really well done song, and starting with that introverted, vulnerable guitar part with her singing just over the top of it. What I'll say is, it builds from that into something which is a joyous expression. It ends so much more joyously and more extroverted than it starts. I really like this. Yeah, it's it, it's it's just so well done. All right, okay. We are now at the end of the album. We move on to Americans, a song that manages to be at the same time a joyous celebration of loving oneself, something which I do five or six times a day. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I had to make that gag. (laughs) But at the same time is an indictment, an evisceration of american society so without question yeah the sorry to, to cut in on you that it's essentially an ode to america's racism misogyny white collar dominance and general unfriendliness to the lgbtq plus community yep it, as you say it's an evisceration of that it's so political it was inspired by barack obama's a more perfect union speech from uh, march 2008 and the start, the start of it, and throughout it, again, I apologise for referencing Prince again. I'm thinking, let's go crazy. It is let's go crazy. That's it's not. I'm thinking, let's go crazy. The lyrically, I'm not crazy, baby. I'm American. That's a call to let's go crazy. It's a deliberate choice. It's a deliberate choice, and I, I love this song for that. It, in the same way, and we didn't talk about this when we went through. Make me feel the guitar part is Kiss. Okay. This is Let's Go Crazy, and it's called out in the lyrics. Fucking brilliant. What a way to end this album. It is glorious. It's funky. It's joyous. It's angry. It's uplifting. 
all within what a three and a half minute, four minute track. It's fucking phenomenal. It's such a great way to end the album. It is. And so I said we'd we'd come back to to Dr. Sean McMillan. The um spoken word speech in the middle, in the breakdown, uh, you know, uh, it's gonna sound really dismissive, sorry, until X gets Y. This is not my America. <laughs> It's not a way to, to denigrate it. It's just a simple way to say it, sorry. That is, again, from that same sermon by Dr. Sean McMillan. It's, oh, and, and that is where that evisceration that we talked about really hits home. Phenomenal piece of work. I can't say anything else. Love it. No, I, I've got nothing to add to that. It's, it is just brilliant. It's phenomenal. Exactly. Anything else to say before I go on to Legacy? No, I think um, I, I, I think we've we've covered it. Um, it's just a really good album. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, in terms of some of the facts, it debuted at number six on the US Billboard 200 chart. It sold fifty four thousand copies in the first week. In the UK, it reached number eight in the album charts, number twelve in Australia, also number eight in Canada, and number nine in Ireland. It was nominated for the Grammy for Album of the Year. It was voted Album of the Year by the Associated Press, National Public Radio, and the New York Times. Rolling Stone put it at number 13 on their top 50 albums of 2018. Uncut Magazine put it at number seven, and Time Magazine at number two. So, an extremely well-received album. Now, there's, there's before I'm going to go on to reviews, but before I do... There's something I want to say. So it debuted at number six on the US Billboard 200 chart. Okay. Now I said earlier that I like that and make me feel, I think it was, had both been certified gold, sold over half a million copies. 54,000 copies sold in the first week. And that is enough to get it to number six. If anything is an indictment on the state of the impact of streaming services on music sales and we've we've talked about how how they can be great for the consumer in terms of having access to everything so you know we're part of the problem here but you know you've got single selling half a million copies and, and an album as important as powerful as evocative as this fifty four thousand copies in the first week that says a lot and disappoints me yeah and uh, as you say we've talked about the impact of streaming and people and people's chain the, the change in music music listening really that people don't even necessarily stream they listen to their music via YouTube you know it's yeah there's there's so many platforms with which you can interface with music for want of a better phrase there and again we're, we're part of that problem yeah we, are. we 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 tweet links out to YouTube clips of videos and stuff here's something we, we're part of the problem so I'm not sauce about that yeah sauce <laughs> just go and buy stuff. Just you know, listen to it, but buy it as well. If you really like it, just buy it because, like, you know, you will be supporting the people that are making really boss music. Exactly. Well said, Kevin. All right, shall I go to the reviews? Well, there's only one review that we'll get to it that me and the listeners really care about. So you can talk about the Rolling Stone, you can talk about the NME, you can talk about who the fuck ever. We all want to know Nobby McGee. Wait, just wait. <laughs> Impatient child. Fucking, it's, we'll get to Nobby McGee. And there is some good Nobby McGee chat this week, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to start with the enemy. 
Uh, Andrew Trendle for the enemy. He said, this record feels very much like a battle cry against the harsh and bewildering reality of now. Dancing through the bullshit and emerging a champion on the other side, Janelle Monet doesn't believe in walls or limits. This is a fluid celebration of freedom and raging and raving against the oppressors. Brilliantly put. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a really good way of describing the album. I mean, he basically, I've read there in what twenty five seconds what we've taken the best part of ninety minutes to say. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shite. <laughs> Rasheen O'Connor for The Independent. She said, it is a record that will go down as a milestone, not just as a work of art in its own right, but as the perfect celebration of queerness, female power and self and self-worth. Again, brilliantly put. Okay, shall we do Nobby McGee? Oh God, this is what I've been waiting for. Okay, what did Robert Criscow think of this album? Okay, he speaks very positively of the album again. <sighs> He's going to do something weird, isn't he? However, well, I mean, it's it's not quite as weird as as what we've seen in in the last couple of weeks. But uh, just tell me what you think. Okay. Monet's voice has always been too thin, and her songwriting too intellectual. Until now, when she makes a pass at turning into Prince and gets close. When he speaks about her coming out, he says, "For me." No surprise, insofar as I'd never thought about it at all. But she calls herself pansexual as opposed to gay or bi because she wants it all. <sighs> For fuck's sake. Why don't you just say, I like this? Why, do you, why doesn't he just say, I like this album, it's good. Why does he have to be so fucking condescending? What a bell end. Fuck off. Who cares what, like, whether she, whether she identifies as bi or pansexual it doesn't fucking matter to, it's irrelevant to the review of the album it is irrelevant to the review of the album and the oh she tries to sound like prince and nearly gets there fuck off the worst thing about this fella is i think he thinks he's enlightened and to me he's anything but no i think for me the worst thing about him is he's to reference a, a thing from Private Eye, he would be in Sue's corner, is that he is a pseudo-intellectual. He thinks that he's being dead clever, but what he's actually being is a massive prick. He is. Um, he's back next week. <laughs> <laughs> and we we love it all the same. <laughs> Keep being a prick. Oh, Christ. Yeah. I, oh, I hope he listens to the show. He doesn't. <laughs> No, of course he won't. But I hope he does. The words that he describes himself, he is the self-appointed dean of rock criticism. Now who's the dean? Dean. <laughs> should we do best song, worst song? Yeah, I think we should. All right, go on. You go first. So I will start. Um, I'll start with my worst song. Um, so I don't think this is going to come as a galloping surprise to any of the listeners. Um, because I, I said that I didn't really like it, and it reminded me of Hollaback Girl. So it's I Got the Juice. Just like off of the songs on the album, it's it's what I thought was the weakest, really, in terms of not necessarily the content, but musically. Go on, what's your favourite? It, it was a really tough choice, this, because honourable mentions for so many songs, uh, the, the most obvious ones being Pink, Make Me Feel. But honestly, the song that 
the like absolutely I was absolutely overjoyed with the first time I heard it, the second time I heard it, every time I hear it, it's Americans. It's just phenomenal. It's so good. It's got that punch with that funk. It's it's great. It's it's just a brilliant, brilliant piece of work. Okay. Uh so again, two two different choices this week for me. I'll I'll start with my least favorite as well. Uh again, I don't think I hit it particularly well. It's I like that. I, I agree to an extent about I Got the Juice. It's not great, but for me, whilst I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I dislike I Like That, I'm a lot less fond of it than I am everything else on the album. It, it's a misbeat, as I said at the time. Um, it's a misstep. It could be a lot more than it is. My best song, I, this was a tough choice for me as well. I think, yeah, Pink, as you said, is fantastic. I love Crazy Classic Life. Americans is it's brilliant. It, as you said, it's it's phenomenal. It's a tour de force. I didn't say that at the time, but it is. It's a tour de force. But it's Make Me Feel. Make Me Feel is my favourite song on this album, and it's flawless. It's a perfect piece of music. I'm going to go so far as to say I cannot think of another song released in the 21st century that is better than this. It is a perfect piece of music. Wow, that's that's quite, quite the statement. It's I think it, I think it is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, song. I wouldn't necessarily agree with your statement that it's the best piece of music it's released in the twenty first century, but it's a hell of a song, and it it very it was very close to being my pick as well. Okay, so I think it's fair to say we both really, really like this album. Yeah, we had a lovely time listening to it. Great stuff, great stuff. So, Kev, it's your time to shine. How can people get in touch with the show? So if you um, happen to be someone who fails to understand the basic premise that Rage Against the Machine <laughs> might <laughs> might have some kind of political views, you may want to check that out at, on Twitter. And you, whilst there, you can check us out at Clash Album. If you um, uh, want to see really good content that is generally not made by us, then go on to our Insta, um, where there's some really good stuff happening, uh, which is Clash Album. Or if you are resolutely old school and you like sending electronic mails, then please send it to us at albumclash at gmail.com. So about that rage against the machine, it's a great call. How the f- how the fuck? So I'm how just going to say not what we've not said. So we what's the date today? It's the 14th of May, 2021. I'm not going to talk about the context because we've been lighthearted today, and I want to keep it that way. <laughs> but there's been <laughs> there's been some people on Twitter angry that Rage Against the Machine have tweeted something political. <laughs> It, it's like, but like this happens every so often that people go, I can't believe that Rage Against the Machine have, have said something political that might be slightly left wing. Have you not heard any of the content of their music? Like, have you just managed to avoid that completely? Like, literally, just think of the name of the band. What, what machine do you think they are raging against? A fucking thresher. No, it's a printer. <laughs> A fax machine. It's a printer. They've washed office space and gone, fucking right. PC load letter? What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) By the way, go watch Office Space. It's a fucking great film. It's a really good film, yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear. Really good. Uh, As always, get in touch. Give us the reviews. Give us the stars. That's all we're about. Just 
go subscribe, the like all that. We are genuinely really pleased that people are still listening to us. The amount of listeners we appear to have in the United States, I've no idea what you find so fascinating about the two of us, but genuinely, thank you so much. It's great. Cheers for listening. And hopefully, um, well, we've had a lovely time this week. And your homework for next week is to listen to Lizzo's Because I Love You. And um, we'll be having a lovely old time next week, I'm guessing. We will indeed. Yeah, Kev's going to take us through Lizzo next week. Go and listen to it. Thank you very much. And we shall see you next time. Take care. Ta-da. Ta-da.